people out there that want to do harm. And uh, we are, are, are going to protect against those kinds of threats. It's, it's all about being safe for the 4,000 plus employees we have, the 29,000 students we have, and being good stewards of the taxpayer's money. My job is to protect all of that. Welcome to the 205 Vibe Podcast. I'm your host, Earl Dotson Jr., and I am certainly excited and honored and thrilled, all of those things, to talk to the, the Rockford Public Schools Chief of Security, uh, the man who uh, helps keep us safe in our school district, um, the one and only Fred Deal. How you doing, sir? Good, Earl. Great to be here. Um, thank you for taking the time, spend some time to talk uh, with us and to talk to the people. Obviously, security is a very important topic um, to, to many people um, and safety. And so it's great to talk to Sue, the expert, if you will. Before we jump into security, I think it's always important to talk about, you know, the person who heads that up and just, you know, kind of your background and your credentials and, and uh, you know, just kind of tell us a little bit about how long you've worked here, what's your security background, uh, what, what gives you the level of professional expertise that you have, what, what's, what are some of the things you've, you've done? Okay, well... Uh I've been a member of the 205 team for about 13 years. Uh, Prior to this, I was in the military. Uh, I was responsible for protecting bases and ships, uh, primarily overseas, and uh, force protection. Uh, So that's people. I've been doing this job for about over 40 years. So I've been doing this for quite a while. Um, Plus, this is where my education lies. Mm -hmm. So in particular... Uh, you have lots of areas of responsibility. Uh, what, what are the areas that you uh, specifically oversee? So, so my main responsibility is protecting buildings, uh, basically identifying any kind of a, um, a vulnerability and I'm identifying a mitigation strategy for that. So basically I'm looking at uh, perimeters, looking at doors, looking at windows, alarm systems, uh, procedures to protect people, procedures to protect uh, equipment, that kind of stuff. Also building partnerships with response agencies. So the police department, the fire department, the EMS, the hospital system, the county health departments, all those uh, partners that come together to help us in our time of need. Um, you know, when we talk safety of our students, of our, of our facilities, um, depending on who you're talking to, it, it can mean a lot of different things to, to, to many different people. Um, for you, I mean, you kind of gave the, I don't know, kind of the, you know, the boilerplate issue, you know, the uh, description of, of your duties. But for you, what do you think is the most critical element of, you know, safety and security for the, for the school district? Prevention preventing problems from occurring in the first place, trying to identify weaknesses so this way we can build a robust strategy to prevent it from happening in the first place. Um, and so part of that part of that involves, um, so for example, um, you know, I remember just, just, just starting with the basic stuff. Um, for me, I just remember in school doing the very basic kind of um, 
fire drills, tornado drills. Do schools do, still do do all that stuff? Absolutely do. Uh, key and essential part of our response strategy. Understanding how to take care of issues like that that are um, um, redundant in nature. You know, uh, quite honestly, a fire escape plan is probably similar to a lockdown plan. You're fleeing an area that is under duress. You're going to an area where you're going to be safe. So these are the kinds of things that are uh, foundational. So one of the areas you over, you know, that you kind of you work with and oversee is our relationship with the Rockford Police Department. And, um, you know, we have officers in our high schools and we have resource officers. I think we call them resource officers that are assigned to various zones, if you will, or aspects of our school district. What, first, let me ask you, like, what, what's your relationship like with the Rockford Police Department and how do you see them, how, how they're working out in our schools? Well, I think we have a really good relationship with the Rockford Police Department. We work with them daily. Um, they are truly partners um, keeping us safe. Um, they're very good at uh, taking care of the issues that they get brought in on. Uh, they're, uh, they're very proactive which I like. And, and by nature, what a police department is, they're equally reactive because that's what they do. Do you think you're in a position to say, or just be your opinion, but if someone asks the question, do we, do we need police officers in our school? Does that make us any safer? Um, you know, what, what's the, what is the perception? What does the optics look like with police officers in your school in, in, in our schools? Do you have any thoughts about that? I do. So police officers, just by their very nature, being in uniform inside a school has a huge impact on um, the climate in the building. Um, I think most students look to a police officer as a mentor, a role model, somebody that is there to provide guidance in times of stress, um, to be that trusted person they can talk to when they're feeling that they're helpless. And a police officer can either act, they can... Uh, counsel, they can direct, they do many different things. I think the relationship piece is the biggest part of why we have police officers in buildings. It allows students to develop a relationship with a police officer in a different context because police inside school buildings aren't necessarily there because bad things are happening. Positive things are happening and they're getting to see the police officer in a very different mode, which is nice. It's, it's a good thing to do. You know, it's and uh, I'm 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 can say now I'm part of the old guy crew. Uh, I remember having you know police officers when I went to uh, the sc schools here in Rockford. Um, but I'm but I'm curious about um, security guards. I don't remember security guards having security in, in, when I went to middle school here. Is that is that a recent phenomenon? Were, were they here 13 years ago? When you got here, or did that happen under while you were here? I mean, well, how do we how do we get a security guard company, you know, kind of working in our schools? So security guards in schools have been around for a long time. Um, they're primarily in urban areas. That's where you see them most employed. Uh, they're a force multiplier. They're they're the eyes and ears and the reporting mechanism of anything that's going on in the school that you know teachers aren't necessarily tuned into because teachers are focused in classrooms where the guards are focused on the building itself. So they're outside the building, inside the building. Um, Guards were not present when I first started with the school district 13 years ago. 
I believe they've been in the school district for about 10, maybe 11 years. And the reason behind that is um, we needed that force multiplier to help the administrative staff keep a check on the building, to be out there and um, keep an eye on what was going on to prevent things from happening, to develop relationships with the students. So this way, you know, students had another partner they could go to and talk to if they needed to. Also to help secure the buildings. Um, one of the things the guards do, obviously, is routine patrols. And part of their routine patrols is checking doors to make sure the doors are secure. So this way we prevent problems from coming inside the building. They fill many other roles, but those are the basics. Um. So wow, that was that was great. So you know, so 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 having having said that, um, you look at lots of data. Um, you you talk to many people, and you talk to people in the community. You talk to teachers and students. Um, one of the things you know, people you know, we have twenty nine thousand students, and um, for the most part, all those parents and families kind of tr- put their their trust in our hands to keep their students safe. Um, for for a parent who feels like, hey, you know, I I feel like my kid is as safe as they as safe as they possibly could be, relative, you know, relative to everything else. Um, I've I've heard the term this false sense of security as well. Um, do you do you feel like our our schools are safe? What, what's your opinion on that, or your thoughts on that? I believe our schools are the safest they've ever been. Does that make them perfect? No. Um, redundant systems to take over where a system may be weak is what I focus on. If, if something fails, is there something else to pull up the slack to prevent a problem from either happening in the first place or growing beyond control? So when I look at any system, police, guards, alarm systems, doors, windows, um, shrubbery, whatever it may be, guardrails, bollards, you name it, I build systems that have multiple points so that if one fails, another's there to take up the slack. Um, what do you hear? I mean, when you when you talk to people, I mean, what do you hear from people? I mean, obviously, it's we're talking kind of subjective in nature and kind of anecdotal. But what, what do you what do you mostly hear about? What do people feel? Um, you know, is 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 you know, what's our biggest threat? in terms of how, how people feel you've talked about, talked to? I think one of the things that we've implemented recently has really made an impact in the schools, and I've seen it from when I first started 13 years ago to now. It was difficult at best to get people to wear ID cards. In today's environment with Secret Shopper, you can't walk into a building and not be noticed, especially if you're not displaying your ID badge. And I'm strongly encouraged when I go into a building and people stop me and ask me for my ID card. And that when I go into a building and I look at the staff, I see them looking at me. I see them getting ready to engage me and I see they're wearing their IDs, which helps everybody identify who belongs and who is an outsider. And I think that's critical. For the, for the most part, I think... Well, I hear that people are encouraged. They, they like having the police officers in the building because they know they've got that rapid response and that reserve force if needed. They enjoy having the guards in the building because the guards take care of things that they don't necessarily get to focus on, but somebody else does. So in general, I, I believe that our system, although not perfect, I think is, is very robust. And I think 
uh, fulfills the mission and the mission of safeguarding people. Um, so what do you think? I mean, yeah, that, that's great. I mean, do you, what did you have? What do you think is our biggest security threat in our schools? Well, it depends. When you look at a different school, elementary schools have different threats than a middle or a high school. You, you look at what the threat is and where it emanates from. So in our, in our middle and high schools, uh, we deal with internal threats. We, we look to see if we can stop, you know, the bullying, the fighting, the different things that might happen in there. So, you know, camera systems, guards, uh, police officers in hallways, staff members in the hallways, that kind of stuff. Developing relationships so that children feel comfortable to come forward and talk to a trusted adult. If somebody enters a building or somebody brings something into a building that shouldn't be there, having the fortitude on the part of the students to bring that forward. And I think we have that. When you talk about elementary schools, it's an external threat. So I have to prevent that problem from coming into the building to give the staff the necessary tools so they can uh, prevent and uh, protect against anything that comes from the outside. You mentioned, and so I just want to elaborate, you mentioned in your previous answer, secret shopper. What's the secret shopper program? So the Secret Shopper program was developed about two years ago, primarily for me to see what vulnerabilities I was not catching, to have an outside entity test our buildings to see if they could get into the building without force um, and, and let me know if staff actually would encounter them or if they got into the building at all. So Secret Shopper now has taken on a little different meaning. It, it, it's actually the same premise. We're identifying vulnerabilities and correcting them where we can. Um, but it's also testing the staff's ability to actually own their building, to control who's in the building and who's not in the building. And the results so far have, have been primarily positive. We, we have a few weaknesses, but again, that is exactly why we implemented this program. We, we wanted to identify where we needed to focus our action to counter whatever was going on. One of the things that I've noticed, and we're looking, just looking at the numbers, speaking of you know police officers, we've seen uh, the arrest numbers kind of go down uh, over the, the years, like dramatically um, in terms of students getting arrested over the last six, seven you know, years or so. Why do you think that is? I think it's a combination of things. First, I, I believe our discipline code is by far the best code we've had. I think that fidelity of enforcement, ha- having, a, having a central goal and working toward that goal, I think has been... Uh, is, is probably the biggest factor in, in equal application across the board. Um, in the past, you know, um, one leader would do this, another leader would do something different, and there was no real consistency. Whereas now there's consistency. There's, there's one law that applies, and that law is equally meted out. I, I think that's been the biggest factor in getting that under control. That's an excellent point, Fred. I don't think a lot of people know that. But this idea of the adults and the administrators in the building setting the tone very early on. right? Kids figure it out. They're pretty smart. And that um, and I think this is what you're suggesting, that you know, once you lay the rules down and everybody knows that, hey, if you do this, you, you know, here's the consequence for that. And is that that's that's your suggestion that people figure that out pretty quickly. Absolutely. Um, 
you know, when people know what's expected of them and that is enforced, then that's what you get. Uh, let's talk about um, cameras. Um, yeah, you know, I, I hear from principals and schools, and I'm, I'm sure you, uh, you as well, when you talk to them, if they could have them, they put they put a camera in every nook and cranny in the building. Um, do, do, do you think that's a our cameras are a deterrent and are we are we where we need to be with cameras in our buildings uh, is that a is that a good um, you know is, is that a good way to um, kind of monitor what what happens so to use your word it's a monitoring device uh, it can be a deterrent not necessarily uh, it is designed to capture evidence not prevent an act from happening so when we talk about mitigation strategies, that is not my primary mitigation strategy. I'm, I, my focus is on prevention, is, is keeping that outside and not inside. But if it does get inside, that I'm able to capture what happens. So this way we have, number one, something to learn from. Number two, something to prevent, uh, provide evidence in, in, in the case of a hearing or a trial or something like that. Um, cameras are great, but as you said, you get one, you find yourself needing a thousand. <laughs> um, something that we've um, unfortunately, unfortunately witnessed um, as of late um, is this idea of who, whomever's doing it. Speaking of cameras, uh, people who will burn down our playgrounds or vandalize our buildings. Um, you know what? What, do you, what are your thoughts on that? You know the thoughts on you know, you know this. Why people do that? Are we? Are we? Are we? Um, you know why do are we vulnerable in that area? Or why do people think that that is uh, we're ta- we're easy targets, so to speak? So that's a tough question, Earl. But I appreciate it. Number one, um, there are many reasons why people do things. I, I would love to be able to identify one particular reason because that would help me narrow down what I could do to stop it from happening. Um, let's talk about prevention. The biggest thing is partnerships with the community. That's the best thing we can do. Having people out there that are watching their tax-paying dollars and helping to protect them um, makes a big difference. When, when a community owns a building and when the community takes care and they, they're concerned about what's going on. And that could simply be a matter of calling the police when they see something going on that, that doesn't belong out there or that sticks out as being unusual. Next, cameras. I, I obviously um, think that I want to capture whatever evidence I can of any wrongdoing inside of a playground area because, again, that is a community asset. Our children deserve to have the recreation uh uh, resources available to them so they have something to do. They have a safe place to be, a safe location where they can be kids. Um, so we're going to do everything we can to protect that. The other thing is, you know, our partnership with the police department. One of the things I stress in our uh, challenged neighborhoods is, is getting the police to the buildings more often than they normally would to keep an eye on things. But again, police departments by their very nature are very busy. And they're not always going to be available to sit on a playground. So, again, that's where the community plays a large role. Um, We do prosecute, period. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. You break a window, we are going to prosecute you. If I have evidence to provide, I'm providing it. If I can get you arrested because you've done it, 
then I am going to have you arrested. That is the end of the story. We have signage up at each building indicating that, and we mean what we say. Um, help those who are, you know, people who are listening, help help us understand and get a better, better understanding of, you know, things, lots of things happen throughout the course of a, of a day, a school day, if you will. Um, sometimes we receive threats, whether it be from a student or uh, whom, whatever, whoever the individual is. What, how do we, you know, how do we, I guess, you know, when people have, how do we balance, if you will, the need to tell parents um, about threats that may or may not be credible versus um, kind of trying not to cause hysteria and, and dealing with it on a very, you know, at a granular case-by-case, at a, at a granular level and on a case-by-case basis. How, how do we balance that out when um, the people who, people's need for information about their kids versus, um, you know, things that are actual threats and things that really aren't? Another good question, Earl. So let me focus on what I'm responsible for. My responsibility is the vetting of all threats. So regardless of the intent, regardless of how the threat is delivered, either verbally, electronically, written, whatever it may be, we investigate every threat as if it is credible, period. And we do it exhaustively. We are going to interview, we are going to look at all the evidence we have, and we're going to make decisions based on the credibility and the evidence that's available. Um, If we have doubt about the credibility of a threat, we are going to act in a positive manner to go ahead and protect um, our people, our students, and our buildings with all the resources that we have available. When Threats are deemed to be credible. Those are items that we will share because parents need to know that stuff. Um, We want people making good decisions based on timely data in deliverable quantities. In other words, I want you to be able to understand exactly what is going on so you can make a good decision about your your student, your, your spouse, your relative, whatever that is. Yeah, you know, because just for me, uh, just kind of some, you know, real, real world, real life examples. You know, I've been in, in some of our schools and some of our tougher neighborhoods and, you know, hey, there may be a gunfire in the area or something, some some type of some violence that has taken place. Uh, and unfortunately, just based on where you know our, our schools are located sometimes and kids, whether they're outside playing or not, um, you know, the building leaders, they have to deal with that in, in the best way possible. Um, how does that work with um, in conjunction with the police activity, you know, outside of our school buildings? And uh, we, t- we do what is called either a hard lockdown or a soft lockdown. Help us understand what, what, what triggers that and what causes that and what's the difference between those. Okay. Um, so, Real-world activity affects us. We, we are in every corner of Rockford, and whatever happens in Rockford happens to our schools. So on occasion, we do experience the occasional crime that will happen within the vicinity of a school. 
We have a great relationship with the police department. When they know of something occurring within a certain geographic area, they will notify me and they will tell me, Fred, we need to go into lockdown at whatever building it is because here's the scenario. It could be a robbery. It could be a burglary. It could be a manhunt. Um, there's a variety of different reasons why we would go into lockdown. So when we have external threats, we go into what is called a soft lockdown. I won't get into too many of the details, but again, the soft lockdown targets external threats. So it's not inside the building. The building inside is safe. The building outside is what we're concerned with. So we will do whatever is appropriate based on the geographic location of the threat. Typically, we'll have an officer in the building to assist with any kind of problems that might happen, and then the police department will stay in communication with us. They'll let us know when the problem is resolved or when we can go ahead and go back to our normal operations. We work with, well, I work with a team of professionals in the communication department, and one of the things I do is I communicate to them what is taking place at a building and why. It is their responsibility to craft a message to send out to everybody. So again, you've got good information, real time, explaining exactly what's going on, and it lets you know if there's any problems or if everything's good to go. If we have an internal threat, that's when we go into the hard lockdown. Again, not to get into too many details, but that would be your active shooter scenario. It could be a variety. It could be a wild animal inside of a school um, that has just basically got into the building and is trying to get out. But it, 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 again, is designed to protect the people inside the building. Um, we work with our partners, the police department, uh, the fire department, uh, animal services, whoever is there to provide help. Um, will help us mitigate those kinds of situations. And again, we're going to communicate with our professionals, our communication team, who's going to pump out the information that you need to know. One of the things that unfortunately we deal with in our society and, uh, 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 you know, obviously people, we we think about it and, and God forbid uh, that, that, that and we pray that it never happens here, but uh, certainly school shootings are certainly dealing with safety and, and is a is a, is a problem that we deal with in, in our country. Um, you know, what are, what are your thoughts on our level of safety and preparedness uh, for something like that? Um, I mean, is that how, how do what are your thoughts on just um, you know how do we how do we be how are we being proactive in terms of or how should we be proactive in either preventing that or or you know being ready to, to to deal if that were again, uh, how, 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 what's our preparedness like in, in that scenario? So I'll bounce back to something I said earlier. Um, part of my job is identifying what threats are out there and how to prevent them from getting inside the building. Um, we do many things to do that. There's no one system, there's multiple systems in place. So that's first and foremost is putting um, systems in place to prevent those kinds of things from happening. Secondly, is relationship building. Again, is having that relationship with that student, the parents, the community, the police department, the fire department, just whoever's out there that will bring forth this information. We have something called Let's Talk, which is another way of getting information to us. Um, so people can actually get onto our website and communicate via electronic means to get that information to us. And then the other procedure is if it does get inside, how do we deal with it? 
It's the training we do. It's it's the emergency plans we have in place that are constantly being updated. Um, it's the drills we do constantly so that everybody is familiar with the emergency procedures that happen. It's the relationships with the responders who get to the building as quickly as possible. It's having shelters and evacuation points, transportation. It, it's having a variety of different procedures and different systems in place to deal with any kind of emergency. It's having a communications team that can pump out information as quickly as possible, as accurately as possible, so that any parent knows at any given time what the current scenario is. And if we have to move, if we have to bring our children to an evacuation center, getting that information to them as well as what they need to provide proof that they are the guardian for a particular individual. So all these things put in place make us a fairly safe environment. But I'm I'm not arrogant to believe we're perfect. But again, when we identify weakness, we work to make that weakness a strength. On a lesser kind of um, threat, I guess, if you will, um, the one that seems to be more, um, I, I don't know, uh, uh, it's easier to understand, if you will. Um, it seems like every year we get some different initiative to deal with bullying in our schools. And I know you don't deal with discipline, um, but but for whatever reason, that just seems to come up every year. And someone talks about bullying. Um, you know, first of all, you know, do you, I, I don't do you, I don't know if you think that's an issue, but. If, if so, and we know it occurs, kids, kids will be kids sometimes. Um, why don't we hear that much about it? Or do you think it's it's contained pretty well inside the buildings between the relationship between the, the, the administrators and uh, the resource officers? Why do you think, what are your thoughts on bullying in, in the schools? Bullying does happen. Children gravitate towards that. Not all children, some children. And when addressed by competent adults, when addressed by trusted adults, most bullying will go away. There are harder core problems, but we have different levels of help we can bring to the table. One of the things that uh, we do here is Alex Brewington is responsible for the particular anti-bullying efforts for the district. She's a social worker. She has a team of social workers that can help. And, and, and that's the kind of thing that we're talking about. The other thing we're talking about is one of the new laws in Illinois has to do with threat assessment teams. A threat assessment teams is basically a group of individuals that is familiar with a particular student and somebody raising concern that that student might be in, in an emergency, in a bad place at the wrong time. So what this does is it basically highlights the fact that we need to bring resources together to help this child deal with whatever is going on. So again, I think bullying plays a part in that. I think that that is one of the things that we can bring to the table to help those kinds of situations from happening. Um, so again, I, I think the staff at the buildings do a very good job in dealing with those kinds of things and addressing and correcting those behaviors. Um, so I, I think we are well set up to deal with those kinds of issues. I'm glad to hear you say that because you, you, you're in, in schools a lot. I'm, I'm, I'm in, off and out in buildings a lot. And, you know, and I got, I'm, I'm being, you know, being honest, I, I, when I'm in buildings, you know, I see the halls are clear. I see, you know, I see students in classrooms. I think the buildings do a good job. Teachers and 
in terms of mitigating and working together to 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 uh, address some of those concerns. When you are in buildings and talking to, to faculty, what what often is, or, or if you're talking to students, what what's the biggest request you get from schools as it relates to security? What do they ask you for? Cameras. <laughs> By far, my number one request is more cameras, better cameras. Um, I, I, I do get the occasional, we'd like more guards. Uh, keyless access seems to be something that people have on their radar. They're, they're, they're happy with the fact that, that keys, which, which are very vulnerable, are going by the wayside. Now we have cards that can't be duplicated and those kinds of things. And that really does offer a level of uh, security that we've never had before. So that's made a big difference. But those are basically the general requests I hear. Uh, one of the other things that I know are big with, when we, with our facilities plan, we and, and most of our, our schools and some of the additions that we put on, are we call them secure vestibules, right? Or secure entrances uh, where you kind of have to walk through a couple doors to get in the building. Um, do all of our schools have that, and uh, or, is, or is there? Do we plan on putting secure vestibules in all our in all our schools? What, what's the plan look like with that? And do you think that that's something that works, and we should in all of our schools should have that? So, I believe secure vestibules are very important. That is probably the 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 best line of defense we have from preventing somebody from getting into a building to do bad things. So the, to answer your question about do all buildings have them, no, they don't. Our intent is to get secure vestibules into each and every building. So that's one of the things we're working toward right now. Um, we're targeting buildings with the greatest need. We're getting those done, and as we get those completed, we're moving on to the next building. So I would say at this point, we have about 40% of our buildings with secure vestibules, and we're working to get more. High schools and middle schools have guards at the door. So the mitigation strategy is there. Um, so we have to focus right now on getting elementary schools. Because again, when we talk about threats, you heard me say earlier, the threat for elementary schools is outside the building. So I've got to prevent that problem from getting in and secure vestibules help that. Not to say middle schools and high schools don't have the same threat, but their threat is different. So we are going to get there for them as well because they work but it's a different logistical environment inside of a high school. More volume, uh, larger in and out uh, as far as throughout the day, whereas elementary schools don't have that much activity. Uh, I shouldn't say as much. They have less activity than a middle and a high school does with visitors and those kinds of things. Speaking of that, uh, you know, you talked about the external threat, threat and, and the in, versus the internal threat about you know, letting people in and having access. Um, to your knowledge, you know, do we do, you know, when people, because we have lots of people who want to volunteer in our schools, who, who are in and out of our buildings, do you feel good about, um, you know, our system for doing background checks and, you know, making sure people have proper IDs to get in and out of buildings? I mean, I, from, from where I sit, it seems like schools are pretty vigilant about that. What's your experience with just... Uh, uh, making sure that the adults in the building um, have, have have the proper credentials and and background checks, et cetera, et cetera. We are religious about ensuring that anybody that goes into our building in the capacity of an employee or a contractor has a background check. Period. Plain and simple. You're not getting in our buildings unless you've been background checked. 
our uh, contractors, vendors, those kinds of things, absolutely. Our, our volunteer force is also background checked. Our community uh, team has, uh, well, Amy Ekstrom, who's, uh, she is assiduous about that. I, I'm very impressed with Amy's ability to make sure that uh, no person gets past her without being background checked. And again, we owe that to our families. We owe that to our employees. We owe that to our students. We have a fiduciary responsibility to take care of them, to make sure that the right people are in the buildings doing the right things at the right times. And those office professionals as well. I mean, yes. they're, they're often the first line of defense, uh, particularly in our elementary schools and really have do a, you know, are, are the, the, the you know right up front there and doing a great job of making sure. We've got a great staff of office professionals, I'll tell you. Um, so back to Secret Shopper, uh-huh. 90% of our catches are the office professionals getting the people as they come in the door and preventing them from getting past them. So great job on their part. Shout out to the office professionals. Yes, absolutely. So, so one of the things, I'm going to come back, I'm just, I'm just coming back to this just because I want to make sure that, um, that, that, I, that, I, that I make sure I understand because I think people want to know with you in particular, and I think I, I've asked it again, but I'm I, prior, but I want to ask it again. Just this: what keeps you up at night? I mean, what do you? I mean, in terms of as our biggest security threat, if you could just put your finger on, like, if I if I could just do this or have this or complete this uh, or this type of training, if everybody would, um, you know, adhere to this. I mean, what, is there a list, a litany of things? Is there one big thing? I mean, when. When uh, Fred Deal goes home and, and thinks about security and securing, you know, 40, 42 buildings and, um, you know, I know you I know you how serious you take your job and the responsibility that comes with it. So what, what do you what, what, what do you worry about the most? So with all the systems that I can put into place, I can't live in buildings 24 seven. My biggest concern. Are doors that people don't ensure shut behind them when they come in or the person tailgating them as they walk through the door and suddenly go in behind them. Um, that is a cultural thing. I, I think that if, if people took ownership of their buildings like they do their homes and their cars, if they showed that level of care in their buildings, my job would be much easier. And, and I may be able to get an occasional wink at night. Very good. You, uh, you, you say you've been doing this for the better part of 40 years. Why, why do you enjoy this work? We all have callings. This is mine. We, when you talk about uh, training people um, and, and making sure that people, um, you know, you never can, um, you know, unless an, an actual attack, but, being prepared and knowing the right things to do is, is, is critical oftentimes and very important. You know, do you offer trainings to schools and to administrators about just what, 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 what should they do and et cetera? I mean, what are your, how do we offer trainings to, to our folks? Absolutely. So training is essential. Um, you know, I can put all the systems in place to stop everything, but the bottom line is you know, you need to know how to react to any given situation. So we'll bring in the professionals. Our police officers do the ALICE training, which is alert, lockdown, inform, counter, and evade. That's our active shooter stuff. We have the fire department come in to assist with the fire drills that we do. Um, we have a variety of different 
people that can come in and offer assistance. I will come in and do any kind of training that you could possibly want. I've made training up for our uh, home visitors um, to talk about crime prevention and how to protect themselves when they're out there and how to come across professionals so this way they have a, a good relationship with the people they're visiting. Um, so it's, it's a matter of requesting it. Um, you can request it through me and I can get it to the right party. We will get the training that you need based on what your requests are. You are vigilant and uh, steadfast about security. I, I know this about you. Um, even in this building that we're in, um, you know, for, for people who are, who visit our building, you know, why, why do you, you, you're, you're, why do you take more of a kind of a closed approach? You know, I know people get frustrated when they come in and say, Hey, I can't get to this floor. I can't move around. You really do a great job of controlling access throughout the district. Why, why is that so critical? I believe in one standard. If, if I do it here, I want to do it at other buildings. I want everybody to have the same level of control. Um, we are a public entity, and therefore we are subject to public pressure, public crime, a variety of different things. Not everybody loves us, although I'd love to think that. But the bottom line is there are people out there that want to do harm. And uh, we are, are, are going to protect against those kinds of threats. It's, it's all about being safe for the 4,000 plus employees we have, the 29,000 students we have, and being good stewards of the taxpayer's money. My job is to protect all of that. Wow. Fred, thank you, man. Thank you so much for taking the time and spending some time. I've, I've learned a lot, and, and uh, I really, really appreciate what you do and how serious you take what you do because it is serious work. Um, um, ladies and gentlemen, you know, the um, director of security for Rock Public Schools, uh, Mr. Fred Deal. Before you go, last questions. Uh, you know, what the, these are kind of our fun questions. So this is, let's get to know a little bit of the fun, fun side of Fred. So one question I always ask everyone, Father's Day, your birthday, special occasion, your family wants to take you somewhere or take you to your, or, or fix you your favorite food. What's your, what's either your favorite dish or your favorite place to go eat? I love a good steak. <laughs> <laughs> what about if you're at home relaxing with the family or just uh, you and your wife or by yourself, if you're flipping on the TV or if there's a movie, um, what are you watching? I'm an action movie junkie. Action right movie. now, Jack Ryan. Okay. Love it. Awesome. Last one. Um, if I jump into Fred Deal's truck and you're, we're, we're just riding around, what what kind of genre of music are you listening to? What do you, what do you, what do you, what are you listening to? Is there an artist? Or is there a particular genre? What, what, are you, what are you listening to? So I like all kinds of music. Um, currently, I'm listening to jazz. I have suddenly or seriously Sinatra going in my car right now. Awesome. Fred, thank you so much for your time and uh, uh, thank you for sharing this information. It's uh, really appreciated. Pleasure to be here, all. Thank, thank you. Thank you, sir. Thank you for listening to the 205 Vibe podcast. Subscribe to the 205 Vibe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you are listening now. Check out the blog, videos, and news 
on rps205.com slash 205 vibe.